Welcome to Fading Memories, a supportive podcast for those of us caring for a loved one with memory loss. Jennifer and her sister chose MBK Senior Living for Mom, and as tough as it was, it was the right decision. MBK has a culture of genuine care, one that puts the needs of residents and their families first. They achieve this by building on a solid infrastructure of warm, inviting living spaces and impeccable amenities in attractive, desirable locations. Then their commitment to providing relationship-based care and their attention to each individual sets them apart. MBK gives back to their community, which is especially meaningful to our family. Their commitment every day is to practice compassion and to pay attention to residents' needs so that they can be nimble enough to adjust care accordingly. Their core motivation is, let our family help your family. And I can tell you that for our family, that goal is achieved. Mom seems happy, she has friends, and it's certainly a much better situation for her than living with us. At an MBK Senior Living Community, their motto is, we are all family and here is home. For more information, go to their website, mbkseniorliving.com, or give them a call at 949 949- Two four two one four zero zero. Millennials are often accused of being a selfish generation focused solely on getting their own needs met. However, that's not a complete story. While they are trying to achieve their own life goals, millennials play a much bigger role in caregiving for older adults than probably any other generation before them, and they don't get credit for that at all. One out of three young people in America provide unpaid care to an adult friend or relative while pursuing educational goals, career achievement, relationships, and social connections. Another third of millennials who are ages 18 to 39 believe they will be providing this kind of support in the next five years. In an effort to recast the me-first millennial image with the more accurate role that more than 10 million millennials are playing in families, the SCAN Foundation has launched a campaign called Do You Give a Care? They are creating a community of millennials and Gen Xers who are empowered by knowledge and taking on the responsibility of caring for a loved one. On today's episode, I talked to two millennials, Rachel, who is caring for her grandmother, and my own daughter, Laura, who is a huge support to me as I take care of my mom. So, hello, Rachel. I'm Jennifer. This is my daughter, Laura. Hello. So, thank you for being on the podcast with us today. Well, thank you for having me. It's my first podcast, so I'm very nervous. Oh, well, don't be nervous. It's actually a lot of fun. It's Laura's first, too, so it should be interesting. Yeah. So right. why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and you know, your background. Tell us a little bit about Grandma, and then we can move into how you became her caregiver. Sure. Well, uh, my name is Rachel Hiles. I'm 32 years old, and I live here in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, I just launched my own graphic and web design uh, business earlier um, in 2018. Um, Before that, I worked at a university center for excellence in developmental disabilities where um, we did research on improving uh, quality of life for individuals with developmental disabilities and their families. Um, So I have a, a... big background um, in the disability field, Um, but my um, 
you know, my skill set is has been in graphic and web design and um, creating content and just uh, creative stuff. So um, that's, you know, kind of where my path has taken me. But um, I uh, live by myself um, and I have two dogs and two cats. And um, between them and grandma and my work, I um, manage to stay pretty busy. I'm sure. You know, I'll pause right there for one second. And because we can see each other, but obviously the listeners can't. So I'm going to have my daughter, Laura, introduce herself. Okay. A little bit about you. Um, I'm Laura Graham Fink. I, right now I'm doing court running for a business here in the Bay Area of California. Honestly, just working through the, the first stages of being engaged and hopefully soon to get married to my fiance. Um, we have one pet bunny who thinks she's queen of the house and sometimes she is. Sometimes she's not. It depends on the afternoon. Um, I've lived in the Bay Area my whole life, and my experience with um, people with dementia and Alzheimer's is really just my grandmother, my mom's mom, and basically seeing how that's progressed from when I was little to to now, unfortunately. And we all have a creative link to each other. I'm also a professional photographer, and what is it that you have your degree in, honey? Video game design for 3D modeling. So Laura's got a Bachelor of Fine Arts in game design, and Rachel does graphic design. I saw her website, and you do a little photography and video as well. Mm-hmm. So we're all kind of kindred spirits. So now tell me about your grandmother. Well, my grandma, uh, her name is Barbara, and uh, she's 82 years old. She uh, was born in this area and grew up here. Um, She's an only child like me. Um, So that means our family and our circle is very small. Um, Laura can relate. Her dad and Laura are both also only children. Oh, wow. Yeah, Yeah. so we do have a lot of similarities. Yeah, you know the struggles. So um, she uh, was... A teacher for many, many years in this area. Um, when she became a teacher, she realized her passion was uh, literacy. And so um, she got very involved in the um, International Reading Association and their local, um, statewide chapter here. Um, for many years, she did that. She's quite famous still um, for her work. Um, doing that and then she also um, ran an adult basic education program for um, adults who had um, intellectual disabilities to practice their reading and writing Um, she did that to the school district and then um, eventually uh, lost the funding for it and kept it going um, even into her retirement um, just on her own um, in partnership with her church um, and she was, she's always been also very involved in her church. So she's a very accomplished lady. Um, and, and what is her actual diagnosis? Um, so my grandma has Alzheimer's. Um, I, it's hard to say sometimes because, you know, everybody has their definition of the stages and, and whatever, but... Um, she's getting to the point where, um, sometimes she refers to me as her mother, (laughs) um, 
you know, that's uh, kind of funny to me because I've been told her mom was kind of bossy, um, but that's okay. Um, it also makes me feel really good because, you know, you think about your mom, you love your mom, and she makes you feel safe and loved. And so kind of, um, you know, I I secretly um, enjoy it a little bit when she when I hear her say that. Um, but she um, she can still do many, many things for herself. Um, but she needs a, a lot of help with uh, making good decisions to stay safe and healthy um, and occupied with her time, you know, so she's not vegetating in front of the TV all day. Does she remember who you are sometimes? Oh, yeah. My grandma, she still remembers me. Um, she just, uh, I think... Well, she was in the hospital just this last week, and I think what the issue is is sometimes it's hard for her to remember our our connection to each other, and so she's just kind of in her mind trying to reconcile that. But she knows me and who I am, and um, you know, if I ask her, she'll tell me, "Yeah, you're my granddaughter." Um, so, um, but how I'm her granddaughter, I don't think she knows that. Um, and she will, um, she has a lot of trouble, you know, keeping straight who she went and did certain things with and, um, like all the different places she goes, they're kind of like all gelled together. Um, so that's kind of where she's at. So she's not as far along as my mom. My mom doesn't remember, she knows I'm important. She doesn't, most of the time doesn't remember who I am. Uh, she's also has zero clue as to what day or day of the week, what time of the day, what season. So she's, you know, her sense of time is gone. So, um, I'm going to let Laura jump in here a little bit too. (laughs) You want me to ask these questions? Yeah. Um, so my mom's got a bunch of notes because obviously I don't know quite as much about what goes on with all this as she does. Um, and, of the first one is that one in three millennials finds themselves as caregivers and often unexpectedly. Was it unexpected for you to, to be your grandmother's caregiver? Well, um, that's a great question. Um, honestly, I think since um, I'm an only child, um, the, her only living family, I think there was always an expectation that I would be responsible for her at some point, but I wouldn't say that we had any conversations in advance of, um, you know, ultimately what what led to me to be her primary caregiver. Um, it was actually very sudden, although now looking back, I think um, I did have some signs maybe that I ignored out of, ignorance or uh you know self-denial I can't really say but um yeah I I did suddenly very suddenly become her caregiver um it just really all helped happened all at once three years ago well I've I talked to an RN in one of my upcoming episodes and she missed the signs with her stepfather and she worked in a memory care ward so if if a trained professional can miss signs, then we don't need to beat ourselves up when we miss them because not really sure. It's very common is what I'm finding. 
I suspect it's a little bit like when somebody that you live with loses weight. Mm-hmm. You don't notice it quite as quickly because it comes on so gradually. But if you were to, to pull somebody from another another household that might not see them as often, it would be much clearer, much faster. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's actually a good, good analogy. Yeah. Um, so does your grandmother live with you? Um, currently, we still have separate residences. Um, I am highly re- reliant on technology as it is, but um, I have, um, we have Nest cameras in her house um, in every room. Um, that way I'm able to keep an eye on her when I'm not there. Um, and normally um, I check in on them, but I try to observe her privacy um, and not, you know, spy on her all day. But um, that alone, I think at this point is um, one of the key things that allows me to um, still have my own house and space for sure. Yeah, that's that's super important. Is that... I, that's, (laughs) easy for me to say, obviously, that was, that's one thing that I, I think people don't realize is that as they degrade, which is not really the nicest term, they, it just, it requires more and more and more and more of your time. And, you know, for people like you and my daughter, I'm, I'm only 52. I just turned 52 less than two months ago you know, we still have full productive lives to lead. And my mom lives in a memory care residence, which has been great for her because it's, she allows her to be social. And, you know, my sister and I are not responsible for her 24 seven. My sister's got kids. uh, My niece is 13, Laura's 27. So there's a big age gap between the grandkids. My kids. My my nephew's nine. So I lose. (laughs) It happens. Um, you know, it's it's hard. My sister's four and a half years younger than me, so it's like, you know, we weren't quite ready to be 24-7 caregivers. And when my dad passed away almost two years ago, that's that's where she was at. We realized that she was using her, like, muscle memory to exist in the house that they had had for almost 47 years. You know, like, mm-hmm. I'm sure when you get up, if you know, regardless, we're tea drinkers, regardless of if you're coffee or tea, whatever caffeine you need. Looks like she's a tea drinker. Yeah. Oh, tea. Yay. See, all kinds of, all kinds of similarities. Yeah. I'm like, I got that one a few minutes ago. <laughs> um, you know, you go in the kitchen, you turn on the pot, whatever, you know, you don't, you don't think about, I got to do this and that and the next thing you just do it. And I, we really feel like that's what she was doing was just, you know, it's, I mean, the longer you're in a place, the more you can do stuff with your eyes closed. Yeah, exactly. So so the next question over here. These aren't really posed as questions. Well, what's the next talking point? Um, (laughs) So I've been told that you're part of the SCAN Foundation, um, which I just learned about today. So I'm assuming other people will will be unexperienced with it as a foundation. Why don't you tell us a little about what what the SCAN Foundation is? Well... Um, the Scan Foundation um, is partnering with uh, millennial caregivers to um, create awareness around um, millennials um, like myself who are caregiving um, and hopefully, um, you know, generate some conversations about that um, so that 
we can improve um, policies and supports around caregiving um, and hopefully end up with an outcome that uh, younger folks are more prepared um, and not reacting um, and making decisions out of crisis that they're, they're not ready for. Yeah, you, you hear a lot of horror stories from essentially both sides of elders that aren't being cared for properly and then the, the caregivers that are, everything they do is, is for the care situation where they don't, they don't have opportunities for their own lives. So that definitely sounds like a good progressive movement for, for this situation. It seems like with most people, when they, are, when they realize that they've got a cognitive impairment, whether it's dementia or Alzheimer's or whatever, um, denial seems to be huge. It's a common theme in a lot of the people that I talk to. So making decisions in crises seems to be a common problem, regardless of which generation you're in. Um, and I think it's harder for the baby boomers because they have a different mindset. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm trying, toying with trying to figure out how to word, you know, you have wedding vows that say till better or worse till death do you part. Well, unfortunately with dementias and Alzheimer's, death do you part is not necessarily physically dying because, you know, my dad took care of my mom I don't think my sister and I were aware of how bad she was. Like I mentioned, we think she was using muscle memory. And I know mm-hmm. it affected him. And I'm sure that it it shortened his lifespan. He had a lot of chronic health issues, but... He was also really bad at asking for help. Yeah, so. which is very, very typical. Oh, yeah. I'm hoping with technology and knowledge that you're... Hopefully my generation, because I'm not, I'm not a baby boomer... Um, but you guys for sure would have less denial and less crises. Do you mean mm-hmm. denial like on the part of the sufferer or denial on the part of the family? Kind of both. I mean, don't you feel like grandma and grandpa didn't talk to us about it, didn't acknowledge it? Yeah, I mean, for a long time, grandma's, grandma's MO was, I don't, I don't have dementia, I just have Daffy moments. Right. Um, which... Well, it's a tough subject, um, you know, and many people feel uncomfortable with the thought of needing somebody else to get through their day. So um, it doesn't, it's, it, is, it's, it is a subject that's hard to breach, but very important nonetheless. Yeah. I have an upcoming interview with a gal that is living with dementia and she is all over Twitter like every day and she is, she's experienced some serious negative comments and attitudes like, well, you have dementia or you don't seem like anything's wrong with you is one comment that she gets frequently or, oh, you have dementia. So they just sort of expect her to just go sit in the rocking chair until she dies. I mean, it's like, um, there's a lot in between those two attitudes and she is a pretty big advocate for, There is life after a dementia or Alzheimer's diagnosis. And I want to talk to more people like her because what I've learned doing this podcast is how much you can, you know, there's, my mom's had it for probably 18 years. And so there was many, many years where most people didn't really know and many years where you knew, but with more acceptance, I think she probably would have 
been happier, and there's nothing wrong with that. So, unfortunately, the <clears throat> well, it doesn't seem like anything's wrong with you. That's not an uncommon thing for hidden illnesses. Yeah, because I I've gotten that with Crohn's a couple times where it's like, well, you don't seem like there's anything wrong. With yeah, it's like if you can't see it, yeah, you know, it's the people. But it's interesting that I've never experienced any of those kind of statements with my mom. Um, I can't ask her at this point if she had anybody talk to her like that outside of my presence. I don't think so. And she would have probably taken them down verbally because she wasn't going to put up with that nonsense. It's just very interesting. But I think not, not denying that you have a problem is important. So then circling back around to the SCAN Foundation, there's a, a specific movement called uh, Do You Give a Care? Um, which is working with the millennials. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Um, yeah. So uh, I had the really cool privilege of having um, the SCAN Foundation and their crew come out here and um, capture my story. Um, they um, met with three different um, millennial caregivers um, of different backgrounds um, and talked to us about our experience with caregiving. Um, and ever since, um, have been, you know, working on spreading awareness about uh, millennial caregivers. Um, Where do they, do that, I'm assuming 99% of that's online. Where they spread the um, yeah, so um, obviously since they're working on um, reaching millennials, um, it is an online movement. They have their website, which is yougivecare.org. And obviously um, they're on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at, at yougivecare. Um, and basically just you know, really working on uh, positive messaging around caregiving and uh, millennials and encouraging people to be prepared and um, sharing stories so that people don't feel so alone and isolated in their caregiving experience. That's um, kind of what it's all about. I read on your website, Taking Care of Grandma, you Mm -hmm. and somebody else had a pretty creative solution to some respite care which is extremely important you want to share that story about the the respite care that I read online uh for sure so um you know uh one thing I I learned in my past life um at the IHD was that um you know we often think of respite as a you know formal program that's offered at a place um you know that a specific time or Um, during specific hours, but really when you get down to the bottom of it, respite is about creating um, space and opportunities for you to um, get a break from caregiving. So my example um, was trading places. You know, you think of um, the parent swap or whatever. Um, I uh, I'm very good friends with one of my uh, grandma's sidekicks. Um, Those are her caregivers. I call them our sidekicks. Um, It's a little bit more empowering. Um, Anyway, one of uh, her sidekicks has a daughter who's uh, fairly close to me in age, and um, she has uh, some disabilities. And so um, it's a little bit tougher for her to make friends, but we've known each other forever. 
Um, well, it just so happens that there's an event that my grandma likes to go to um, that happens um, once a month. And I personally really don't care for it because um, it's geared for older people. Um, and so I was talking with her sidekick, Karen, about this event. And she's like, well, you know, I actually have something, you know, I think you could hang out with my daughter um, and I'll take your grandma to the thing she wants to go to. Um, that way, you know, we both um, get to do something that we enjoy a little bit more than what we would have been stuck with. Um, so, um, you know, we swapped our carries for the evening, I guess you you could say. And that was that was enjoyable and you got enough respite from caring in that situation? Um, I think it was... Uh, I think that it was a great alternative to um, suffering through the event and being the only young person in the room, which is what would have happened had I uh, not switched places with Karen. <laughs> I can relate to a little bit my support group. I'm the generally the youngest person that's helping take care of a family member unless a grandchild shows up, which is pretty rare. So I'm usually, I'm usually the youngest caregiver with the youngest person with Alzheimer's who's also had it the longest. So I get like the home run on the, on that. You should come with me sometime. It's pretty fun. The one downtown. Okay. You have a month to think about it. Our group was last night, but I missed it because I got a little bit of a cold. So I figured I should stay home. Did we hit all the talking points? or have through most of those. So where are your parents in this uh, whole scenario? My, so my grandma is my father's mom, um, and he is estranged from our family um, because he has a history of drug use um, and some uh, violent and abusive behaviors that I just won't tolerate. Um, Good for you. Cool. It's just me and my grandma. My, uh, my mom is here in Kansas City, and um, she supports me um, as she can, um, you know, but um, all of us have to work and um, have our things that we have to do. So um, just kind of mainly me and my grandma. Um, I, you know, I do have other supports, um, like I mentioned I use a lot of technology, um, you know, to help her, but also to keep myself organized. Um, and then, um, you know, we leverage her personal assets. We are very fortunate in that, you know, she is, like you said earlier, from a different generation with different values. She worked very hard. She saved all her life. Um, and now, you know, we're able to keep her fairly comfortable because of that. Have, you know caregivers that come in every day um but we do also you know really rely on um re resources in the community um like we go to the senior center um for social functions i help her touch with her uh professional associations and her um high school uh class reunion they still get together um and then I have, you know, some help 
since our our family circle is so small um, and most of the responsibilities fall on me, you know, I have some other help, like especially with her health care. That's a big thing. Um, you know, we have palliative care um, that we use um, to kind of help her um, stay comfortable and healthy and keep an eye on her. Um, at first, um, you know, I, I really took advantage of like having home health after, you know, she was in the hospital to um, look for ways I could ha- have her be safer at home and prevent falls. Um, you know, through like a walkthrough with an occupational therapist. Um, so we, you know, we do use a lot of different resources, even um, with her colostomy. She has a colostomy and um, the place where I get her supplies here in town, they've been a huge help to me um, answering questions about her ostomy and even just listening to some of the crazy stuff I go through. Um, but um I have a lot of support, I think, from, um, like, online communities that makes up for, um, you know, the, the gaps and actual personal close relationships that we have. That makes sense. Um, go ahead. Uh, so would you say that trying to find communities like that or, or reaching out to other people might be something other uh, caregivers here in my age, millennials, I guess, would uh, want to take advantage of? For sure. I think that, you know, um, when you are a caregiver at first, um, you may not even realize it, for one. Um, And for two, um, it's just very isolating. Um, And you start to kind of think that you are alone. And so it is really good to um, discover people who have similarities, um, you know, and share um, similar journeys. Um, and that really was something life-changing for me. If it hadn't been for um, starting my blog, uh, I wouldn't have found um, caregiving.com, and that's where I've made a, a bunch of my friends and um, new colleagues and contacts and um, had venting sessions that were great and gotten a lot of advice and um, learned a lot of stuff about caregiving that's really helped me. Um, not only as a caregiver, but also um, like professional, um, you know, using my expertise as a caregiver to, um, you know, um, turn that into like, you know, a business for myself. That's really been great. And your, your blog is the, the caring, caring for grandma one. Um, yeah. My blog is at takingcareofgrandma.com. Um, I started it too years ago in May. Um, and it was really just a, an attempt for me to, um, get the word out originally about, um, caregiving and young people and trying to, cause I couldn't find anybody. I couldn't find anybody like me who was taking care of their grandma, um, you know, who was young and, um, you know, wasn't sandwiched. You know, there's a lot of talk out there about sandwich um, caregivers, but there really wasn't a lot um, being said about people who are younger like us um, taking care of our family members. And so I started my blog and thanks to that blog, I found a ton of other resources, like, you know, like you said, and um, it's really just changed, uh, changed my life. It really has. 
So a little bit cold action and a little bit venting, it sounds like. Um, I, uh, on my blog, try not to vent um, or, you know, say anything too really negative because I like to stay positive um, just generally in life. But I think it's really important because caregiving gets a bad rep sometimes um, to stay positive. But I guess I would say my blog has been, you know, a platform for me just to kind of tell our story, um, you know, and share snippets of experiences that we've had so that people can learn from us. And also, um, you know, the practical strategies and information that I picked up um, along the way, really. That makes sense. And do you use any apps or what? You said you use a lot of technology. And I've learned um, about a couple of apps. One's not, it's only in beta testing. And the other one, unfortunately, I can't remember the name, but I might be able to pull it up here on the computer for you because it sounds like one that you might be able to use. But what kind of other technology besides Nest cameras are you using? Um, we have um, I've just recently implemented Google Home. Um, with the speakers. Um, so we've been working on that. We've been trying to um, get the light bulbs to come on and off when we say so. Um, and um, we have some more simple uh, technology that's not really considered technology, but I still like to talk about it because it's so important. But as you know, like a lift recliner, for example, that was life-changing. Um, that eliminated eliminated a ton of fall risks. Um, we have a bed rail that helps her get in and out of bed. Those are simple technologies, and um, I think those are sometimes just as important um, as you know all the super fancy high tech technology that we we all use today. But um, we I use some uh, medicine reminders with grandma. Um, those are starting to not really be very helpful for her. Um, we also, you know, use music apps to listen to music. Um, and uh, we, she doesn't use the app, but um, the caregiving team uses Caring, uh, Caring Village, which is an app where you can um, type you know, progress notes and uh, keep a community calendar and a communal to-do list and, um, you know, have different levels of security um, or access privileges, I guess, um, for different types of relationships. And I'll say, you know, at first, for a while, it was only me using it um, to take notes on her day. But as I you know, hired helpers, um, sidekicks, if you will. Um, you know, they began using it as well, and it, it's really become a, a robust um, support for us in terms of keeping track of what's going on in her life. So it's been a, a really great app that we've used. Well, this one that I am just started talking to the company about is called I'm Up, and it's it might be a little bit, um, your grandmother might be too far along for this one. It's it's kind of a check-in app, and I haven't played with it too much because I've been busy this week, and I just started talking to him two days ago, so <laughs> I haven't had a lot of free time. But it might be one that you want to check into because it looked really pretty cool. And I'm going to be talking to them in the next week or so, so that will be 
that'll be fun because the founders um, founder went through Alzheimer's with his wife and came up with this app. So I think that's pretty cool because I've met a lot of people who've gotten into this situation that we're all in and found a creative or, you know, business outlet as, you know, I maybe part of the coping process might be good terminology. So did you have any questions for Laura? Um, or my mom? <laughs> um, well, um, so I'm, I'm like, assuming that you're helping your mom take care of your grandma. Uh, when I can, because she's at the, the memory care clinic. It's more of a residence. Is it a residence? Yes. Sorry. Clinic, clinic is like a doctor's no, office. You're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Um, the memory care residence, there's not as much hands-on as other caregivers might have to go through. Um, but largely right now, the way that I, I'm, I feel like I'm helping is basically being that person that's like, you're not alone. I, I am here with you. Even if I, I can't help as much because I have a full-time job and I've only just recently gotten out on my own. Um, it's been almost two years. It'll be two years in February. Yeah, not that far off. It's still not that long. <laughs> anyway, what would you, what would you say you've learned about caregiving from watching your mom with your with your grandma? Um, honestly, how how draining it can really be. Like you you hear it and you you hear stories, and it's another thing entirely to see it. Just how much even even someone who's not doing the full time care has to go through to to make sure that this person's quality of life is as good as you can make it because it's I know the hardest thing for me is it's like it's almost like with where my grandmother is it's almost like she's not really there anymore because she remembers me as I was when I was in high school now I'm 27 that was a long time ago now 10 years this June no it's a (laughs) long time so she doesn't know really anything about my fiance. She doesn't know that I, I finally moved out and have a pet bunny and like all the things that I've gone through. She doesn't remember me graduating college. So essentially the person that I am doesn't exist at all to her. So that that I already knew was a hard part, but seeing how that affects my grandmother as well, because she gets kind of angry because I'm assuming she's getting panicky at not remembering these things. And that's just, it gets harder and harder to watch. So the thing that I've learned that I would want to share with other people is you really need to give the person that's doing the caring support because of how hard it really is to always be that positive figure because you can't get mad at this person. It's not really their fault. They don't, they don't understand. Mm-hmm. So when, when they make snappish comments about, you know, a, a loved one who's recently passed away. You can't yeah. be mad, even though you really want to be mad. And my mom doesn't remember that my dad passed away, which will be two years on March 2nd. So we're coming up pretty quick. And she'll, she gets very frustrated that he doesn't drive her places anymore. And she feels that he is dumping that responsibility on me and he's being unreasonable. And obviously, if I said, the reason he doesn't drive you anymore because he's dead, that wouldn't be very nice. It'll just upset her. Yeah, and then that, you know, that would be all bad. And so I don't want that. And, you know, so I always have to come up with creative reasons why he doesn't drive her. And lately she's been a lot more challenging about that. 
So when I went two weeks ago, it was um, New Year's Eve, and I said, oh, hi, Mom, I'm here. Dad asked me to come pick you up for your nail appointment, you know, so you can get, all, get your nails all done for the New Year's Eve party tonight. The only thing factual about that statement was I was taking her to get her nails done. And she was fine with that until we got in the car, and then she starts basically not bad-mouthing him, but her frustration at his lack of dealing with the responsibility was was acute, and it was frustrating because I go through that every single time I see her. You know, why is my husband not taking me? It's, ugh, it's very trying, very draining. Especially when you, you have to mourn this person and you're, you're kind of trying to creatively come up with ways where it's like, they're not actually dead. Like, do, no, he's just um, at a meeting. <laughs> Which gets really challenging. You know, why wasn't he here on Thanksgiving? Oh, he didn't feel good, so he decided not to come. Okay. Then she gets upset because he doesn't take very good care of himself. It's just like, oh, my goodness. But it's, it's interesting. It's a challenge. And it's essentially stuff like that that I try to help with because I understand, because I know, I know what happened with my grandfather before he passed, and I know my grandmother, whereas a support group can help, but they might not as acutely know what's going on. Anything else? You'll uh, get any more involved in caregiving as, you, as time goes on? Like, maybe use your personal experience to... Um, go down a professional path in caregiving? Um, probably not professional. I mean, if, if my grandmother continues to, I don't want to say worsen, except that's really... Decline is generally the term. Yeah, decline. Then I would be more invested in, in helping her. And obviously, if, God forbid, something happens to my parents, I'll be taking care of them. But I'm not certain that I have the patience personally to do it for uh, people that I'm not intimately connected to, like family members, which I know sounds, sounds kind of horrible, but it's, I don't know if I'd want to do it professionally. Hmm. Um, there are, there are uh, many different ways to use your personal experience um, with caregiving besides just, you know, directly providing care. So you might be able to come up with an app. You yeah, you have a really great insight and background and expertise and gifts that you can share off the phone. Definitely something to consider. It's definitely planting the seed. She's planting the seed. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, that's definitely something to consider. And, and yeah, there's, there's a level of um, maybe not understanding what you have to offer when when it seems like a mountain, what really do you have to offer? Well, even a few steps is more steps that somebody else doesn't have to take. So something to consider for the long term. So you liked the caring.com website for like an online type support? um, Caregiving.com. It was launched in the 1990s. So it's been around for a long time. Um, I feel like, um, you know, there are so many people on there that um, past and present caregivers that are just there to encourage each other and share with each other. And um, Denise, the leader, is you know dedicated to um, helping family caregivers of all backgrounds get what they need. Um, so, 
I'll make sure that their link is com. I highly recommend it for anybody um, who has once care, been a caregiver, um, is a caregiver, thinks at one point they might be a caregiver, which is everybody, unless you're just living under a rock, as my <laughs> like to say. That is true. I'll make sure that their website is linked on my resources page because I think I've looked at them, but I'm going to definitely look at it some more. And you've got a furry friend sneaking in there. Do you have anything else you want to say about the SCAN Foundation or the Give a Care before we sign yeah, off? I think that, um, you know, it's really great that um, the SCAN Foundation is, you know, investing this time and energy into um, helping people discover that, um, you know, caregiving is either in their future or if they are caregiving that, you know, they're, they're not alone. Um, there are resources and supports out there for you. And, um, you know, you can share your story and hopefully encourage others. Um, it's, you know, if we all um, share our voice, then, um, you know, we can have a really powerful presence, you know. I agree. I definitely agree because I have met so many people through the podcast and learned so much that I don't know. I, I know it helps my mom, what I've done and learned. And that's why I try to share it with more people. So I totally agree with you on that one. And so the caregivers for your grandmother, are they there just during the day? Um, yes. Right now um, we have, Huh. I recently, um, like literally just this week, increased the amount of time they're spending with her. But, um, you know, on a, day, a regular day um, during the week, she has about um, close to, you know, nine hours of support that I spread out throughout the day. So, um, but she's currently able to still be by herself at night. But I still, like I said, keep an eye on her. Um, brother um so um on the weekends uh, I mainly am the one who's there um and then I work you know every other day so um I am able to get breaks but yeah we have um a few different ladies um that are all really great in there um and they you know help her out and take her um to the places she wants to go and um help her you know stay safe and make smart decisions and um, I really, truly, um, you know, credit them and, and uh, the technology and, you know, my own personal network of friends and supporters that um, allow us to, you know, keep living both, each of us keep living, um, you know, our good lives. So. Why well, I, I applaud you for coming up with a really great solution so far, I mean, I know as she declines, as her memory gets worse, you'll have to change that. But, you know, what you're doing now is really awesome. And it helps. She's got her independence still. You've got yours. And I think that's important as long as it's, as long as it's, she's safe. And it sounds like you're doing a really great job with that. So I applaud Thank you. you. 
Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. I thank you for um, inviting me to come on your podcast too. I think it's really awesome. Oh, they're fun, aren't they? You just kind of sit and chat and it's and and learn. It's I, when I first started, I was nervous, and now it's just like so much fun. So, but I thank you, and I hope hopefully I can work with the Scan Foundation some more because I really. I really like what you're doing and what they're doing. So I'm going to be looking into that definitely more after this conversation that we've had. Awesome. I hope this conversation was inspiring. Before we'd go, I'd like to share some of the Scan Foundation's advice. The first piece on their website is actually from Rachel. And she says, when you are a family caregiver, it is important to map out your supports, not only for your loved one, but for yourself as well. Do You Give a Care is about creating a community for young caregivers to share, inspire, and learn from each other. If you're a caregiver, and you must be or you wouldn't be listening to this podcast, join their campaign to learn more, show your support, and to share your story. I've linked details in the show notes. Thanks for tuning in today, and as always, I'll be back in your ears next week. In the meantime, why not check out some past episodes? wouldn't want you to miss me too much. Hey listeners, can you do me a big favor? Can you click on the five star button right there on your phone? Or head over to Apple iTunes and leave a rating or review? This is how new people find my podcast. And I can't be a supportive podcast if people don't know I exist. Thanks so much. Why the dogs always got to bark as soon as I sit down to record? I mean, really?